Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys and welcome to the moms and mysteries podcast a true crime podcast featuring myself mandy and my dear friend melissa hi melissa hi mandy how are you i'm great how are you i'm good i didn't expect the answer to be so quick <laughs> and then i had to think how are you melissa i'm doing pretty good i uh, got to spend some time with my family this week which means we're recording very late i appreciate you Always being, being okay available with that? and never yeah. having anything to do besides oh, wait please. for you. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> anyway, it was great to see my family. Got to see my uh, friend Sarah and uh, see her kids and my parents. And we went on a hike. You would have liked the hike. Nice. And I forget how like hilly North Florida is. It's crazy. I it, I love just going up there and like pretending I'm not in Florida anymore. It, it's its own world, honestly. And there's even like a small canyon in Georgia, like a mini canyon. Did you know that? Like no. an hour from my parents? They acted like I've known this my whole life. I was like, I have never, ever heard of a canyon in Georgia. And they were like, we used to go to it all the time. What happened to me? Did I forget? Did I? Did somebody drop me? Did I get dropped in the canyon? Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for last thing before we go now. This, I all, know. this is all going to like tie in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Look at that. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I was trying to, I'm trying to gear you up. <laughs> I'm, I'm already excited. <laughs> yeah, well, I am so glad that you got to enjoy your time with your family and spending time with your friend. That actually sounds very lovely. I would like to take a short little 
weekend trip myself. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've just been here and, you know, waiting to record. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could switch. You could ride home with my son and my niece and my nephew four and a half hours, (laughs) lots of potty breaks, lots of crying, Aunt Momo. It was a lot. Um, But they were great. Everybody was great. I'm just, I like how I'm like, this was the worst trip of my life. It was fine. (laughs) I'm here. So we all made it back and had a good time. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So I'm excited for this week's story. This one is, there's just a lot of detailed information. I feel like this is one of- Oh my gosh. Yes, right? So in this particular case, I feel like we have information about what happened pretty much every minute that things were going down. Truly. Which is unusual. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a timeline, but a zoomed in timeline of literally moment to moment, minute to minute. Yes, it's wild. So this week, we are delving into all of the events surrounding the mysterious death of a 42 year old North Dakota man named Chad Ensel. He was found dead in his home on January 2nd, 2020, under a very confusing and unusual set of circumstances. So just a little like weird thing that happened. I was actually working on this episode on January 2nd, and it made me do like a weird little um, I thought like I had something wrong when I was typing that. Oh yeah, that you know he died on January second, twenty twenty, and then it hit me. I was like, no, like it's just January second right now. There's one of those every exactly. Year. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was just strange. I've never run yeah, into yeah. that uh, with a story before that I've been working with. It was you know the anniversary of it was like at that time, right? So earlier that day, after Chad failed to show up for work, some of his concerned coworkers paid a visit to his home at around two o'clock in the afternoon. Even though his truck was in the driveway, Chad didn't answer the door. So this led to his coworkers calling the police and just hoping they could get a welfare check on their friend Chad. But the responding police officer ended up showing up, looking around, and said he didn't see anything alarming, so everybody left. Hours later, at about 5.20 p.m., Chad's wife Nikki arrived home, and she immediately noticed that it was very smoky inside the house, so much so that she actually couldn't even get past the front door. Nikki dialed 911 and reported the smoke, but told the operator that she didn't see any flames anywhere. She said she had just come home to check on her husband after learning that nobody had been able to get in touch with him all day long. But when she got there and opened the door, she was met with this thick cloud of smoke and couldn't go inside. Nikki was asked when the last time she heard from Chad was, and she responded that it had been kind of a while for a husband and wife. She hadn't talked to him since Monday, December 30th, when they spoke on the phone. Even though Nikki was outside the house where it was safe, she was acting very distressed to kind of like an excessive point. She was saying things like, please, no, I'm not going to make it. And I just don't want to die, which the operator thought immediately sounds really just unnatural and out of place. You know, she's outside waiting for the police to come. She's already safe. Right. She's not in immediate danger of, you know, dying or anything like that. So it just sounded very fake and forced. Emergency personnel were dispatched to the home where they found Chad dead in the bedroom and evidence they found left a lot more questions than answers. Chad Insel was a native of North Dakota. He was born in Halliday on March 31st, 1977 to his parents, Deb and Ernie. After studying drafting at the North Dakota State College of Science, he ended up working for I-State Center Trucks Parts as a salesman. Chad had a lot of hobbies, including racing stock cars, playing golf, shooting darts, and he was even a bowler and participated in a league. 
He was a regular at the Midway Lanes on Monday nights. He was very good at bowling, and he even competed in local state and national bowling tournaments. He had actually bowled a perfect game, which was 300 points at least two times. Me too, on the Wii. (laughs) Oh. I was like, what? How I would start every sentence with that if, if I if I had. No, I never even got it on Wii. It just never worked for me. So in his spare time though, he coached Little League, which was something that really brought him a lot of happiness. The kids he worked with really loved him and loved his guidance. Chad was known for being sociable, outgoing, and he had good sportsmanship and really had a great sense of adventure. Friends and family all described Chad as being a very active, positive man with plans for the future. One friend said it was always a good time when Chad was around. Chad eventually found love and got married to Nikki Hines in 2016. And with this wedding, he became the stepfather to Nikki's two sons from a previous relationship. By 2019, Nikki owned a catering business called Nikki's Savory Sweets, and she also worked as an unemployment specialist. While this might sound like a version of success, Nikki's past was actually sprinkled with nonviolent criminal activity. She actually lived in Minnesota before relocating to North Dakota in 2016, at which time she was actually on probation. Her record included insurance fraud in South Dakota in 2012, an arrest in Minnesota as a fugitive in 2014, and she had charges for non-sufficient fund checks and financial transaction fraud. In mid-November of 2019, the couple moved into a rental home just outside the Bismarck city limits. No one could have known that about six weeks later, Chad would be found dead there. On Monday, December 30th, Chad went to the bowling alley as he always did every Monday evening. This was the last time Chad was seen alive. On New Year's Eve, Nikki called Chad's job and said that he wasn't going to be able to make it that day because he was sick. They expected him to return to work on January 2nd, but he never showed up. Later that afternoon, Nikki went to the house and found it full of smoke, and when first responders showed up, things got very sketchy. When firefighters first entered the house, they noticed there was no power, and the temperature inside the home was quite high. There was actually a haze in the air. I kind of get like a feeling of just like how hot and heavy the air probably felt inside the house just by this description. They made their way down the hallway to check the bedrooms, and that's when they found Chad's body, along with signs that there had been a fire. A type of space heater, known as a sunflower heater, was found at the foot of the bed. When I first read sunflower heater, I was literally picturing, like, a cute thing. (laughs) Like like something you would see for a child's bedroom or something, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Like the humidifiers that they make really cute Yes, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, like a cute little sunflower heater. That's absolutely not what it is. It's way more like basic. Is that the way you would say? Mechanical Mechanical or like... Scary, terrifying. Scary, (laughs) terrifying are good words. Yeah. So it starts with a propane tank. um, And so immediately for me, that's an absolute no. I would never have a heater... Right off the bat. ...with a propane tank inside of my home. This is like very old school. So... It has this propane tank with a heater mechanism that's screwed onto it. And the whole thing put together, I guess, is supposed to like resemble a sunflower, but it definitely does not. It looks, like I said, very old school, terrifying, not like something you would expect to see inside someone's bedroom. My husband said to describe it as like a barn heater with an exposed Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yes, that just glows sure, and sure, gets sure, hot. Sure, 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 sure. Got it now. Yeah. <laughs> so Chad's body was found in the room with no clothes and covered in soot. There was a bloody handprint to the right of his body, and on the bed was a shotgun and a bottle of whiskey. 
It was clear that the fire had been contained in this room, and the heater appeared to be the source of the fire. But when the firefighters searched the rest of the house, they also found a smoldering fire coming from the top of the furnace in the basement, and they quickly were able to extinguish that separate fire. What looked like a terrible accident started to look suspicious once the police were allowed to enter the scene to begin their own investigation. Officers looked over at Chad's body and noticed that he had actually been shot, and they wondered whether he could have completed suicide before the space heater caught fire. Meanwhile, a patrol deputy, who didn't know that Chad had been shot, only that he was dead, went to interview Nikki. She was surprisingly calm during their conversation, but became erratic when she learned that her husband had died. One minute, she's bright and cheerful, which doesn't really fit the situation, but then the next minute, she would be hysterical, she had forced breathing, and this high-pitched crying and squealing is what it was described as. Almost immediately, Nikki offered up that there had been an ongoing problem with the furnace in the house and that she complained to the landlord about it on December 25th and 27th. Multiple people had tried to come fix it, but the issue still wasn't resolved on December 30th. Nikki said that this issue with the furnace led to an argument with Chad and she ended up staying in a hotel. Her main concern and the reason she was so upset was because she was battling health problems, including cancers and scleroma, and she couldn't stay in a cold house with a broken furnace. At this time, her two sons were staying out of town with their grandparents and they were in another state. On top of wanting to stay in a hotel so she could be warm, Nikki told the deputy that she had other motives as well. She alleged that Chad was a heavy drinker who turned angry and mean the more that he drank to the point that he was abusing her in front of her own children. She showed the officer a photo of a bruised arm, which she claimed was because of Chad. But the pictures really just seemed off to the officer. He said they looked as though they'd been staged, and he couldn't even tell who was in the photo or you know when it was taken, just this random bruised arm uh, on her camera roll. So Nikki claimed that she had a plan to leave Chad and to relocate to Texas. She said she'd already been looking at houses and actually had a job interview lined up later that month. Nikki informed the officer that there were guns in the house, but said she didn't know how to use them well. She also said they had a security system and agreed to let the officer look through her phone at the videos that were on this system. So after she gives him her phone, she mentions that she has an extra phone in her truck and asks, you know, can I go get it? (laughs) That's like the weirdest thing to me. I mean, I guess some people do have multiple phones, right? Some people have a work phone or whatever, but to say that you have an extra phone, like no one has just an yeah. extra phone laying around. That's weird. Who do you think <laughs> <Right>. you are? <laughs> that's what I say. So they tell her, yes, she can go get it, but they notice that she gets this phone out of a box and this phone is addressed to someone named Earl Howard, a name police did not know at the time. So they take a photo of this box for evidence and they make a note to look into it further. Meanwhile, detectives that are processing the scene inside the house were starting to reconsider their first theory that Chad had died by suicide. As the evidence unfolded, it seemed less and less likely that Chad was responsible for his own death. When the coroner arrived, it was confirmed that Chad was showing early signs of decomposition, which meant that he had already been dead for quite some time. It was noted that Chad had actually been shot twice. So the question then became, how could someone shoot themselves twice with a shotgun? And why was the gun on the bed, but Chad was on the floor? Additionally, investigators only found one spent shell casing, so they wondered where the second shell casing went. 
The fire marshal and fire investigators concluded that the fire in the bedroom where Chad was found dead and the fire on the furnace in the basement were two completely separate fires. Their investigation showed that the heaviest part of the fire in the bedroom was actually at the head of the bed and that Chad's body was near there. And there was also evidence that an accelerant was used on the bed as well as the floor. The soot in the room showed that Chad was likely dead before the fire started. This was because they noticed that the carpet underneath his body was clean and didn't have any soot on it. And similarly, there was a clean area under the gun that was on the bed as well, which to them meant that the gun was already there when the fire broke out. Soot evidence also showed that the heater was most likely moved after the fire was started, but before it ended. The circumstances around the fire in the basement were equally suspicious. The cover of the furnace looked like it had been taken off and propped up, and there was debris on top of the metal housing of the furnace. A piece of a marble cigarette pack was found in front of the furnace, which the investigators thought had just fallen from this pile of debris that was on top, but it still specifically grabbed their attention because other than finding this little piece of the cigarette pack, there were no other signs that a smoker even lived in the house. Accelerant was found on the furnace, but the interior insulation was found to be in good condition. All of this implied that the basement fire had been set intentionally. Inside the house, police investigators examined the wall at the head of the bed, near where the pillows were, and they found birdshot from a shotgun embedded in the wall. This was the same part of the wall that was the most badly burned. This was consistent with Chad being shot while he was still in bed, likely asleep. Blood drip trails were found in the bedroom, and the use of a blue star showed a trail of blood leading from one side of the bed, around the foot of the bed, and to the other side of the bed where Chad's body was found. This could indicate that Chad possibly got out of bed after he was shot the first time and made it to the other side where he was shot again. A welding torch kit was found in the garage, but it wasn't considered important at the time, so investigators just took a photo of it. Chad's body was taken for an autopsy, and the medical examiner found that Chad's cause of death was the two gunshot wounds he suffered. One of the shots entered the back of his left upper arm and exited through the shoulder, then re-entered the left side of his head. The other shot entered from behind the left ear at the back of the neck at the base of the skull. It was determined that these shots were fired from a maximum of three feet away. Although the heat from the fire would speed up the decomposition process, the medical examiner thought Chad had been dead anywhere from 36 hours up to a week prior. There was no soot found in Chad's windpipe or his lungs, and his blood alcohol level was relatively low at 0.069, which meant he hadn't been drinking heavily as Nikki had suggested. Chad's manner of death was officially ruled a homicide. Since Nikki's story was that she was conveniently staying at a hotel when Chad was killed, investigators looked further into her claims and found that she did indeed stay at a hotel, but she had been there since December 29th, not the 30th like she had told them. Also alarming was the fact that Nikki was staying in a room registered to someone else, a name they had once seen before, and that would be Mr. Second Phone himself, Earl Howard. At this point, officers want to know, you know, exactly who this guy is. So they find out that he's this 42-year-old Canadian man with dual citizenship. He was married and had been living in Bellwood, Ontario. Earl had a squeaky clean criminal record, but clearly not really a great marital one if he was in this hotel in another country with another woman. That's wild to me that he like had a wife and kids in Canada and he's like, bye guys, I'm going to go to the US and have 
a weekend with my girlfriend. I just don't understand. What else would you do with the dual citizenship? <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> the security system footage that Nikki willingly gave police access to showed that Nikki and this guy Earl showed up to the house on Monday, December 30th at 6.54 p.m. while Chad is gone at the bowling alley. They were at the house for more than an hour and a half, and they left around 8.30. At that point, the cameras were set in privacy mode, and videos were no longer available. So as you've probably guessed by now, it was quickly determined that Nikki and Earl were having an affair, and they've been involved with each other since February or March of 2019, so nine or ten months at this point. In August of that year, they even opened a joint bank account together. That is truly wild. I know married couples that don't have joint joint bank accounts, but like your side piece, that's quite wild. Yeah. And while you're still married? And we still have more to get into after a quick break to hear word from this week's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Stellar Sleep. Mandy, I don't know about you, but my husband can fall asleep at night before I even have time to finish this sentence, which really must be nice. For me, though, it's not that simple. I'm a mom, which means I have a million things to think about, including 999,000 things that will probably never happen. But thanks to Stellar Sleep, whether you have big sleep problems or small, Stellar Sleep can work for you. Stellar Sleep is the very first digital solution for all your sleep needs. And if you're like, I don't need another app, hear me out. Stellar Sleep was founded at Harvard by two best friends who both struggled with sleep and were frustrated that there just weren't enough resources to help them. And sure, there's sleep clinics which have long wait times or short-term solutions like medication or cutting back on caffeine, but Stellar Sleep focuses on sleep psychology, which helps you tackle insomnia at the source. Melissa, what would you do with an extra hour of sleep? Honestly, I could probably rule the world or at least function in the world. The longer it takes me to sleep, the less sleep I get, which duh, but that's something that can be changed. In a clinical assessment of 500 people, 80% of those that use stellar sleep showed significantly improved sleep, which on average led to 74 minutes in additional sleep and 53 less minutes to fall asleep. That is a huge improvement. And what I really love about stellar sleep is right out of the gate, day one, it literally told me to try and stay up as late as I could. And I actually had to read that twice to make sure I was actually seeing it correctly. But this is sleep psychology. They know that sometimes we literally have to trick our brains and takes the pressure and anxiety out of staying up all night. Learn how to sleep again with Stellar Sleep. Head to stellarsleep.com slash moms for your free seven-day trial and then just $99 per year. Plus, you can cancel anytime within the first 30 days for a full refund. Once again, that's stellarsleep.com slash moms for your free seven-day trial, then just $99 per year. By a certain age, every lady has her go-to purse. For me, it's the crossbody one that carries snacks and a little bit of my sanity. So it only makes sense that we also have our go-to bra. And for me, that bra is honey love. Support, comfort, and adorability, if that's even a word. And if you're tired of those lovely perks of some bras, like the bulge that spills over in the back, Honey Love has you covered. Their bras are designed with back-smoothing fabric that actually prevents that from happening. On top of making cute and beyond comfortable bras, they also make the most comfortable yet effective shapewear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Honey Love is a one-stop shop for all those things you didn't know could be comfortable and supportive all in one. Real quick, Mandy, back to the bras. Honey Love's crossover bra is my new obsession. Somehow it manages actually to give you a lift, but 
without underwire. I didn't actually know it was possible before Honey Love, but now I do, and it's amazing. I recently got one in the color Fig, which is a gorgeous, rich color with mesh detailing that's missing from other supportive bras. I just ordered a second Honey Love bra because what am I supposed to do when I'm washing my Honey Love bra? Wear some other uncomfortable, less supportive bra? I don't think so. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash moms20. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash moms20. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Start the new year with confidence. Thanks to Honeylove. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were getting into the mysterious death of a man named Chad Ensel, who was found shot twice with a shotgun and in the bedroom of his home that had sort of caught on fire, didn't really catch on fire. It came out that his wife, Nikki, was having an affair with a Canadian man who had dual citizenship. And once this affair was brought to light, the investigators were understandably suspicious that Nikki and Earl had something to do with Chad's murder. They began piecing together a timeline that really detailed their activities and movements leading up to the incident. Emails, text messages, phone records, home surveillance footage, and hotel surveillance footage were all used to create a very extensive timeline of events beginning on December 14th, 2019. On December 14th, 2019, Earl sent an email to Nikki that had a link to a YouTube video. And that video depicted a husband giving his wife a car for Christmas. And when the wife turns on the ignition, the vehicle explodes. Seems like a strange video to send to your girlfriend. With or without context, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I would be upset if anyone sent me that. I'd be like, why did you send me that? Like, what what was the purpose, right? Like, what was the reason that you sent this to me? Less than two weeks later, on the day after Christmas, Nikki went online and got a quote for renter's insurance and took out a policy for the amount of $26,000, which would take effect at 12.01 a.m. on December 27th. Nikki was the only one listed on this policy. She did not include her husband, Chad. This was interesting because Nikki told investigators that she was moving to Texas and leaving Chad soon. So why is she taking out renter's insurance on this house there? On December 27th, Nikki boarded a one-way flight to Minneapolis, and she told Chad through a text message that she was going to be out of the house for a work training. She didn't mention that she was actually out of state on a one-way ticket. She just said, hey, I'm not going to be at home because I'm at a work training. Bold move. So Nikki arrived in Minneapolis at 7.05 p.m., and she met up with Earl, who we can assume had flown in from Canada to meet her there. The next day, which was Saturday the 28th, Nikki told a friend she was in Minneapolis with Roy, which was a name that she sometimes used for Earl. That's wild, because you feel like if that's to, like, conceal his identity, you would pick a girl's name? Or something, Why would you pick another man's name? Makes no sense. So she and Earl went shopping in Minneapolis before driving back to Bismarck together. Meanwhile, Nikki was in contact with Chad and telling him that she was still doing this work training. Chad actually at one point asked Nikki if she had come home the night before, and Nikki told him that she did. She said, yeah, I was there for a bit, but I had to be back at this training super early in the morning, so I already had left, you know, but totally missed you. Came in when you were sleeping, left before you woke up kind of thing. So Chad wrote back and just said, okay, have a good day. And the investigators, you know, didn't think that sounded like the response that you would expect from someone abusive. You know, it seemed like he was just like a normal guy. 
The most data regarding Nikki and Earl was collected from the days of December 29th, 30th, and 31st. There's, again, so much information documenting their movements during these days. We're just going to go over the important things rather than a minute-by-minute replay of a 72-hour period, because that would take literally 72 (laughs) hours. That's how much there is. So on December 29th at 1.52 a.m., Earl checked into the Staybridge Suites in Bismarck. He registered for two guests and requested a room with one bed. Nikki and Earl are seen entering the hotel together at 1.59 a.m. Later that morning at 10.07, Nikki tells Chad that it's her last day of training, and his response showed that he was surprised at Nikki's prolonged absence, but he was supportive. Nikki and Earl ran some errands, including a visit to Walmart, where they were seen on surveillance footage kissing each other and making purchases from their joint checking account. Back at the hotel later that evening, Nikki forwarded a copy of the renter's insurance documents to Earl, which doesn't make sense. He's not the one that even lives in this house, so why on earth would he need to know anything about it? So at 6 p.m., Nikki and Earl meet up with Nikki's brother to give him presents for her sons, who, as we said, were staying with their grandparents. At 10.31 p.m., Chad texted Nikki that he was going to bed. He didn't ask where she was or when she'd be home, despite not having actually seen her since the 27th. Nikki and Earl went back to the Walmart at 11.25 p.m. and returned to the hotel at 11.58. The next morning, which is now December 30th, Nikki and Chad spoke on the phone at 7.21 a.m. This call lasts just three minutes, and Nikki arrived to their house at 7.28 a.m. It seems like she was calling Chad on her way to the house. And according to Nikki, she and Chad argued about the furnace when she got home, and Nikki left the house for work at 7.37 a.m., so she was there for less than 10 minutes. And she said a few minutes later, Chad leaves for work. At 11.52 a.m., Nikki leaves work and goes to lunch with Earl. He picked her up apparently in the parking lot of her job, and he dropped her back off at 1.05 p.m. and was seen giving her a kiss goodbye. Earl was then spotted out shopping on the afternoon of December 30th, and he stopped at a store called Praxair and bought a torch kit that cost over $350. Now, this was the same torch kit that they had seen in the garage at the Ensel home and taken a photograph of. So once they realized that this torch had actually been purchased by Earl, they returned to the home to seize the torch as evidence. It was determined that the torch kit had been assembled but didn't appear to have been used. But the kit was sent off to Praxair to be examined and to determine how much, if any, of the fuel and oxygen tanks had actually been used. It ended up being found that the tanks were empty and the regulators that control the flow of gas were all the way open. So normally you wouldn't do that with like this kind of thing. I'm not familiar with gas tanks. Let me just No, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody say go crank it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go to 11. Right. So normally you would just like open it slightly and being all the way open, the gases are just going to be coming out. It's going to empty the tanks. But they couldn't figure out like why – was that the case? Why was this brand new torch kit assembled and then just like the tanks were let left wide open for the gases to come out? Well, they believed the intent was to use the torch kit to cause an explosion that would aid in burning down the house after the murder. Back to the afternoon of December 30th. Earl returned to the hotel at 3.54 p.m. after buying this torch kit and waited for Nikki to get off work at 5 o'clock. She arrived back at the hotel at 5.24 p.m. that evening. Meanwhile, Chad got home from work at 5.06 that afternoon, and at 5.46, he left home for the bowling alley, where he arrived at 5.59. 
at 6.38, Nikki sent a text message to Chad wishing him luck at bowling. And investigators think that she was only sending that message just simply to confirm that he was, in fact, at the bowling alley and that the house was empty so that she and Earl could go over and get ready for the murder. Nikki apparently tried to turn the cameras at the house off before she and Earl got there, but it didn't work. At 6.47 p.m., Nikki and Earl left the hotel and arrived at the Ensel home at 6.54. Cameras at the house captured Earl taking things from the house into his truck, and he was also seen standing outside smoking, and this all went on for about an hour or so. Which is wild that, like, just from a, like, we don't want people to know he was here. They're just that you casually just... hanging out in the front yard. <laughs> like... <laughs> people know who Chad is, so you don't think they'll notice that some other guy's there for an hour? Yeah, That's wild. I agree, yeah. Brazen. At 8 p.m., Earl was seen carrying a laundry basket out to his truck. Investigators theorized that Nikki wanted to get her things out of the house because, of course, the plan is to burn the place down. They leave the house at 8.27 p.m., and they aren't seen arriving back to the hotel until 10.06. That's when they were seen on surveillance unloading Nikki's things from Earl's truck and taking it up to the hotel. At 10.22, Chad was seen leaving the bowling alley. And at this time, Earl and Nikki are actually simultaneously seen on camera footage still at the hotel unloading things from the truck to the hotel room. So Chad arrives home at 10.35 p.m., and at 11.19, Nikki and Earl are once again seen on camera still unloading the truck and bringing things into the hotel room. In the midnight hour of December 31st, Nikki logged into the Insel Home security system several times and changed the privacy mode and other camera settings. At that point, the cameras stopped recording, but what Nikki didn't realize was that the motion sensors were still working and they were still recording data. At 1.02 a.m., Nikki and Earl leave the hotel, and it's believed that they drove over to the Ensel home at this time. The garage door at the house opened at 1.11 a.m., and that's when they think that Nikki and or Earl went inside. The garage door closed at 2.56 a.m., and Nikki is seen entering the hotel at 3.16 a.m. Earl arrived back at the hotel at 4.16 a.m. It was never figured out exactly where he was for that hour. At 5.54 that morning, Nikki accessed the home security system again and changed the settings and privacy mode to back what it was before. Nikki and Earl leave the hotel at 6.27, and the garage door at the house opens at 6.32. It was closed again at 6.38. Nikki calls Chad's job at 7.57 a.m. to report that he's sick and he won't be coming in, and then she clocks into her job at 7.59 a.m., Nikki is at work, and she leaves work at 11.52 and goes to CVS where she makes a purchase with her own debit card. Earl also made purchases at Northwest Tire using his own card around the same time. At 12.13, someone entered the hotel room, but at 12.53, Nikki was back at work where she stayed until 5 p.m. At 5.07, someone, who was likely Nikki, entered the hotel room. At about 11 p.m., the garage door of the Insel home opens, and 11.15 it closes. The hotel room is entered at 11.24 p.m. and again at 11.51 p.m., but there's no more video available from the hotel after that. In the afternoon on January 1st, 2020, Nikki and Earl went to Riddle's Jewelry, but they were only in there for three minutes before they left. At 3.20, they entered the hotel room and then went back to the Riddle's Jewelry at 3.55 p.m., They asked the employee there for receipts for all the jewelry Nikki owned so they could give it to the renter's insurance company. 
On Thursday, January 2nd, Earl had to leave town to go back to his wife and kids in Canada. Nikki called him at 7.31 a.m. while she was driving to work. She got there at 7.39 and sat in her car talking to Earl for a little while before she went into her office at 7.45. Later that morning, from 8.59 to 9.14, Nikki started getting these calls from Chad's co-workers who were just, you know, really concerned at this point that he wasn't at work because she had called him into sick a few days prior. They were expecting him to return to work, and now he wasn't there. Yeah. So Nikki did not answer any of the calls from Chad's coworkers. But at 9.14, you know, after she's gotten a lot of these calls that she's ignored, she called Earl. But the call went to voicemail. As we said, he's traveling back to Canada this day. At 9.39, Nikki gets up and leaves her office, and she calls Earl again. And this time she was able to speak to him for just over three minutes. Meanwhile, she is continuing to get calls from this unknown number that she keeps ignoring. Most likely, it's one of Chad's coworkers. She spoke to Earl again for about a minute and a half at 9.43, and then finally, she answered one of the calls from the unknown number, and as I said, it was Chad's coworker saying that they were worried about Chad. Nikki actually told his coworker that she's sorry, but she was too busy to go home and check on him, which is strange because if somebody called, if my husband's coworkers were calling me and saying like, he didn't get come to work, like, where is he? I would immediately leave my job and drive home and be like, what's going on? And like, be looking into like, where is he? You know, like that's, you know, if, if they're calling, like they've already exhausted everything that they can, like they are truly concerned to be calling you because they know it's going to be upsetting and scary. So it's not like that's their first call. Right. They've done other things. So it's just wild that she would just be like, mm, sorry, sorry, yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, I can't do it right now. At 10.45 a.m., Nikki went on Google and searched for the Weagle Funeral Home, which kind of seems like a strange thing to do when you're looking back on it, because at this point, she wouldn't know that her husband was dead yet. At 2.22 p.m., Nikki called Chad's phone, which, of course, went to voicemail. She returned to work at 3.29 and left at 5 p.m. as usual. Throughout the story, there's like, well, at least over this period of time, these days yeah. this is taking place, it seems like she's kind of like coming and going from her office a lot, where she's like coming in at odd times and she's getting up and leaving and going out and having, right. you know, it seems like her coworkers probably were picking up on like something is happening right now because she keeps leaving and going and talking to people on the phone and coming back and, you know, just seems yeah. odd. Well, and for all of that, for her to be like, sorry, too busy, can't go. Like, lady, you've left a thousand times. You could have gone to go look for him. Yeah. So Nikki, after leaving work, arrives at home at 520 p.m. And that's when she dialed 911 to report that she had just gotten there and discovered the smoke inside the house. Nikki wasted no time making a claim on that renter's insurance. She spoke to an agent on January 3rd and said that all of her belongings had been ruined in a fire. And so the insurance company offered her an advance to buy clothes for herself and her sons, which Nikki happily accepted. On Saturday, January 4th, Nikki forwarded Earl an email about houses for sale. She was in contact with Earl constantly over January 6th and 7th. She also made a claim on Chad's life insurance policy during this time frame. And on this insurance policy, she was the sole beneficiary. There's no surprise that all of this evidence led to the conclusion that Nikki and Earl planned Chad's murder so they could be together and collect on the life insurance and renter's insurance. They believed that one of them shot Chad while he slept in bed, and then they staged the scene together to make it look like Chad had taken his own life. 
They took one of the spent shell casings with them and left the other one behind and put a whiskey bottle on the bed to make it look like Chad was drinking that night. Next, they put the propane heater near the bed, hoping to start a fire. And of course, they added an accelerant to help the fire spread. It was obvious that they had doused the wall at the head of the bed with accelerant in an attempt to burn away the shotgun pellets that were embedded in the wall. And these two apparently hoped the fire would destroy all the evidence that Chad was shot to death before the fire broke out. Things went sideways, though, when Nikki and Earl woke up the next morning and there was no news of a fire. Bismarck, North Dakota is a very small city and something like a house fire would definitely have made the news. So Nikki and Earl returned to the house around 6.30 a.m., to try and restart the fire. Wow. <laughs> that is like, I just can't even imagine. how. First of all, how did you sleep through the night knowing what you've done? And second of all, like to go back to literally the scene of the crime? Wild. Absolutely wild. And so this is the time that they actually move that propane heater to a different spot in the room. And that's when Nikki calls Chad's work, uh, you know, to say he's sick in order to buy more time. So Earl goes back to the Insel house later that night and saw that the propane heater still hadn't started a fire. So he started one himself on top of the furnace in the basement using debris, including that cigarette pack. And we still have more to get into after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Raise your hand if you feel financially victimized by the holiday season. We see those hands and we feel your pain. Sometimes it feels like I'll never financially recover from the holidays, but thanks to Rocket Money, I'm well on my way. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. It's the year 2024, and many of us don't have cable. No, we have something better. 8,000 different streaming services, all in varying prices. And with so many of them, how do you even know which ones you have? Well, Rocket Money can help you. They can identify your subscriptions, whether it's streaming services or fitness apps or a million other things, and not only alert you to what you have, but also cancel them or even negotiate on your behalf for a better price. I'm the perfect example for this. We've had Rocket Money for more than a year, and recently my satellite radio went up. Do I love satellite radio? Yes. Do I love it enough to pay a 50% increase? Absolutely not. So when I received the statement with the new pricing, I simply took a photo of my bill and sent it to Rocket Money. And within just a few days, Rocket Money informed me that they had negotiated my bill to less than I was paying before. So if you're looking to start the new year on the right track and get your finances in order, it's definitely time to check out Rocket Money. After all, Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash moms. That's rocketmoney.com slash moms. Rocketmoney.com slash moms. The holidays are over, and I don't know how it is in your family, but in mine, there's always this one family member that you just have to put up with. Maybe they have an opinion on how you live your life, or maybe they argue that cranberry sauce is better homemade than in the can. You know, a real monster. And while you may have to grin and bear it during the holidays, you shouldn't feel that way when it comes to your doctor. Enter ZocDoc, the place to find doctors that not only make you feel comfortable, but actually listen to you. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Gone are the days of calling dozens of doctors just to find out they have no new appointments available. Thanks to ZocDoc, you can find and schedule appointments completely online, all in real time, and all without that awkward time on the phone with the receptionist. 
This time of year, everyone has something, a cold, a stomach bug. To be honest, we're all pretty gross in the new year. So if you're looking for a top-rated doctor with verified reviews from actual real patients, you should check out ZocDoc. It's not only for primary care doctors, but for specialists who take your insurance and are actually located near you. Plus, you can typically get in to see one of their doctors within just 24 to 72 hours, and sometimes you're even able to get a same-day appointment. Our primary care doctor recently retired, so I needed to find a new doctor for my husband. I logged on to ZocDoc and was able to read a ton of reviews and found a doctor that's down the road from us within our network, and I was able to schedule an appointment for the next day, all online. It was so simple, and I use ZocDoc, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com mysteries and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash mysteries. ZocDoc.com slash mysteries. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we have gotten into a lot of details about the timeline that we're dealing with in the murder of Chad Ensel. At this point, his wife has been found out to be having an affair, and the two of them appear to have planned Chad's murder and also planned to burn the house down. Now, this didn't work on try number one, and it didn't work on try number two. It also didn't work on try number three, but they did actually (laughs) try three times. So on January the 6th, Nikki asked the investigators if she could go back to the house, and an officer accompanied her there during this visit. Nikki mentioned that she was actually at the house on December the 30th with a friend of the family that she called Earl. She just was going with honesty this Mm. time. She was saying his real name. She did say, though, that Chad was not home at the time that her and Earl arrived, and she was just really there to pick up a few of her things. 
She claimed that Chad was the one who asked her to call in sick for him on December 31st. He allegedly sent her a message about this, but Nikki was unable to provide those messages to the police, which is interesting because she was so freely willing to provide the security footage from their home security system. But then when it comes to this like simple text message, which you should be able to easily pull up, she doesn't have that. On January 7th, Nikki had another interview at the police station where she provided some more background information about herself, her medical history, and the medications that she kept in her purse. She also spoke about her relationship with Chad and once again claimed that he was abusive and controlling. Nikki also once again mentioned Chad's supposed drinking problem. And in these conversations, she referred to his abusive behavior and the way that he would treat her in general as what she called drinking games. I guess she was saying like he was playing drinking games, meaning he was drinking to excess and then abusing her. Like that was a code that she was, I don't know. That's what she told. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So she said that three weeks before the murder, Chad followed her to the gym because he suspected that she was cheating on him and that she told her friends, including Earl and even Chad's sister, about these plans to leave Chad due to his problems. This may or may not be true. She was, in fact, cheating on him. So, like, we don't know. know. Like, she's like the audacity that he would think I was cheating on him while I'm cheating on him. Right, exactly. So who knows if he really, you know, and people have these problems all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if, like somebody was like, well, let me just see where my spouse is going and confirm my right. suspicions. Like that would not even strike me as weird. So Nikki was confronted with the fact that investigators actually have footage of her and this man staying in the same hotel. She agreed that they were in the same hotel, but she denied staying in the same room. And when she was asked point blank, you know, did she and Earl have a hand in Chad's murder? She said no. She claimed that she and Earl happened to leave the hotel at the same time because they were actually going out together to view Christmas light displays. The detective asked Nikki what happened on December 31st at around 1 a.m. He told her they knew that she had gone to the house around that time. They had, you know, the surveillance footage, the camera motions, all of this confirmed that they were at the house. And Nikki said they had just gone there for her to get her medications because she couldn't find them in her purse. So she had to go to the house to get extras. So I've had large purses in my time. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can get like losing your medications in your purse. But at one o'clock in the morning, I'm going to just dump the whole purse out and like literally clean out every pocket before I drive back to my house to like pick up medications at 1am when I know my husband is in there sleeping and I'm riding around town with another man at one o'clock in the morning like all of that just doesn't make a logical sense right exactly yeah so I don't know (laughs) yeah none of it actually makes any logical sense if you really get down to it so according to Nikki when they arrived at her house Chad and Earl talked in the living room while Chad drank alcohol At some point, an argument about the furnace ensued between Nikki and Chad, which led to Nikki telling Chad about her plans to leave him. Nikki went to the garage and waited for Earl to put his boots on and come outside so the two could leave. Another investigator eventually came into the room and started questioning Nikki about her relationship with Earl, but Nikki maintained that they were just friends and wouldn't give a clear or direct answer as to whether or not she was staying in the same hotel room with him or not. She did say that Earl already had a room at the hotel when the issue with the furnace started at her house, so he offered to let her come stay there. What a nice guy. The officer asked how Chad felt about Nikki sharing a hotel room with another man, and she, after finally admitting that she did stay in the room with Earl, said it was fine and that she'd once shared a room with Earl in Texas, and this was no different than that. Nikki was eventually confronted about there being a romantic relationship going on between them, but Nikki continued to deny it. 
Nikki said that when she and Earl left the house around 2.50 a.m. on the 31st, Chad was still alive. She was pressed for an explanation as to why she and Earl were at the house for so long and what they were doing during this one hour and 40 minute visit. Nikki said that she loaded the dishwasher, moved some things into the garage, and put some things away in the pantry before announcing that she was going to go back to the hotel with Earl. The investigators, of course, don't believe this story. They believe that Chad was dead by the time Nikki and Earl left that night. After being questioned about the numerous inconsistencies in her story, Nikki switched gears and told the police that Chad had actually threatened her when she said that she was leaving him. She claimed that he had been violently and sexually abusive towards her in the past, but there was no physical fight on that particular night. But Chad did allegedly threaten to take his own life. Then she randomly mentioned that another man was in the house that night too, but she didn't know who it was. Yeah, so now she's got this other unknown person she says is arguing with Chad in the bedroom. You would think that would be the number one thing you would mention as soon as you find out that your house was almost burned down and your husband has been shot to death. You would say like, oh, there was this man there arguing with him. She never mentioned that um, before now. So yeah, when she was talking about this unknown person, she said the man smelled like crown liquor and kept calling Chad Hun, (laughs) which I'm like, why did you like, where did you come up with this? This is so Uh, that is a good question. This is like Mad Libs murder edition. It's wild. So she then did apologize for not mentioning this before. She also said that Chad had significant gambling debt, which was another new thing that she hadn't mentioned until now. At this point, investigators pleaded with Nikki to just tell the truth. She said that she didn't really know what happened, but she did have an argument with Chad and she walked out. Nikki said that Earl stayed behind in the house and argued with Chad some more. And then when he came outside, he told Nikki that Chad was not alive. According to Earl, they had argued over the gun and it went off. Nikki said she didn't even hear the shots. According to Nikki, Earl was so scared after, you know, accidentally, as she said, shooting Chad, that within a few hours of the shooting, he wanted, you know, he had this idea to go back to the house to burn it down. And then when Earl went back to check on things and found that the house had not burned down, he went inside by himself and tried again. The detective interviewing Nikki asked her why she didn't go inside and check on Chad herself after Earl came out and said he wasn't alive, and she said she just froze and was scared and didn't know what to do. Eventually, she started crying hysterically and couldn't answer any more questions. Um, she kept saying that she had, you know, done her best and had tried to call the police for several days, but they just didn't answer her calls. <laughs> That is so wild to like now flip it on the police when they can easily be like, yeah, we don't have any voicemails. So definitely don't believe that. Yeah, that's wild. It almost reminds me of Casey Anthony taking the officers. I was going to say, doesn't this remind you of like so many things? Yes. What could even possibly be the truth? Because all the person does is lie. That's so funny. I was just thinking. Right. But I was specifically thinking about how she literally took them to Universal Studios and walked them down the employee hallway. Down the hallways. And and then finally, at one point, just turns around and was like, actually, just kidding. Like, I don't work here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's very much like that, you know, where she's just saying these things that like are just blatantly not true and that are verifiable very easily once you come, you know, get down to it. So Nikki writes down a confession, but after she finishes writing it, she crumples it up and tries to hide it. 
But at this point, the detective just grabs it from her. He And he even made a comment. Like, I think he said something like, you don't have to be like that about it or something like that. Like she was acting like a toddler. So he grabbed mm-hmm. it and had the confession. Nikki was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, and conspiracy to tamper with physical evidence. The shotgun was sent off for testing in hopes of determining who pulled the trigger. And a warrant was issued for Earl's arrest. He was charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder, arson, conspiracy to commit arson, and conspiracy to tamper with evidence. On January 9th, Nikki requested another meeting with deputies and provided a final interview where she reiterated her claims of abuse at the hands of Chad, as well as her desire to leave the relationship. She said that on Monday, the 30th, she and Earl went to the house around 8.30 and they used his truck to move some of the things out of the house. They went back in the early hours of the next morning and found Chad asleep there. After asking Nikki to verify that Chad was sleeping, he went to the basement and got a gun. Nikki said that Earl had intentions to kill Chad, but she didn't know about it ahead of time. Nikki said she heard two gunshots, and when she went into the room, she saw that Chad was dead on the floor with a lot of blood around the room, including on the wall. Earl then allegedly staged the bedroom to look like a suicide before initiating a fire. The evidence in the case does support Nikki's final account of what happened in the house, for the most part. It doesn't show that she had no idea any of this would happen, however. The birdshot found in the wall near the pillows on the bed were consistent with Chad being asleep when he was first shot. If Earl had gone to the basement to get the shotgun, that could also explain why a piece of the cigarette pack was found down there. Nikki said there were two shots fired, and it was confirmed that Chad was shot twice. With that said, the evidence in the case also showed that Nikki was guilty of planning the murder and played an active role in carrying it out. She bought renter's insurance days before the shooting and arson, and she forwarded the proof of purchase to Earl, who had absolutely nothing to do with Nikki's home. Nikki had also disabled the home security system conveniently at the time that Chad was suspected of being killed. Furthermore, when Nikki was seen getting back to the hotel at 3.18 a.m. after the murder, she doesn't appear to be in distress, despite claiming she had no idea her husband was about to be killed by her boyfriend. Results from the testing on the shotgun were ready in early 2021, but unfortunately those results were inconclusive in determining whether Earl or Nikki had pulled the trigger. This meant that investigators couldn't corroborate Nikki's claim that Earl was the one who shot Chad while he slept. This was unfortunate because her statement was really the sole evidence to support the murder charge that they had on Earl. They did have enough evidence, though, for all the other charges. The murder charge against Earl ended up getting dropped due to insufficient evidence to identify him as the shooter, but he still did face the other charges that were against him. Nikki and Earl had a joint trial scheduled to begin on October 25th, 2021, but just three days earlier on the 21st, Earl entered a plea agreement. He pleaded guilty to arson and three conspiracy charges related to murder, arson, and evidence tampering. The deal he got was 25 years in prison. So something to note here, this was kind of an unusual circumstance. Normally, Earl wouldn't have been sentenced until after Nikki's trial was over. They were supposed to have a joint trial, so they would normally just put off sentencing for both of them until after Nikki went to trial. But in this case, the prosecutor actually requested that he be sentenced before Nikki's trial because... They didn't want him to have the opportunity to withdraw his plea and seek his own separate trial from Nikki's. Yeah. 
Due to Earl's plea deal, Nikki's trial had to be postponed since her co-defendant was no longer going to trial with her. Earl was sentenced on February 14th, 2022 to 25 years in prison. 21 of those would have to be served before he would be eligible for parole. If he is ever paroled, he will be supervised for many years. Earl did not make a public statement. Nikki's trial was supposed to begin in February 2022, but in an unsuspected twist, her defense attorney actually dropped her and withdrew from the case right before the trial was about to begin. Her attorney didn't give specifics, but they said that the relationship between himself and Nikki had deteriorated to the point that he could just no longer represent her. And the trial was once again postponed to September 2022. Nikki's trial finally began on September 26, 2022. The main question for the jury was, did Nikki and Earl have an agreement to kill Chad and stage it to look like a suicide? According to prosecutors, the evidence proved that they did. They said Nikki and Earl planned to use the insurance money to relocate to Texas and live happily ever after. A lot of time was spent going over the timeline that we discussed today. Earl did not testify for the prosecution. Nikki's defense was basically useless. They didn't even give opening statements or present any witnesses at all. My fear with that is that she could go back later and say, I wasn't properly you know, I didn't represented. Have representation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The defense cross-examined the prosecution's witnesses and gave a closing argument. They said that while the state did show a lot of evidence that documented a crime, there was a lot of inference and speculation that didn't have any hard or specific evidence to back up. Nikki's defense said that it was concerning that Earl didn't testify, citing reasonable doubt that Nikki could be seen as a co-conspirator without the prime suspect implicating her on trial. Nikki also made the decision not to testify on her own behalf. After deliberating for just two hours, Nikki was found guilty on all three counts. Chad's family spoke out and said they just wanted to heal and for Chad to be remembered as the person he really was, not the person that Nikki said he was. His sister said, quote, He was so kind, didn't have a bad word to say about anybody, always willing to give a helping hand. Really, he was my first friend, end quote. Nikki's sentencing hearing was held in February 2023 with prosecutors calling for life without parole. They said Nikki showed no grief or remorse and admitted to going to Chad's room to make sure he was asleep before he was shot. They said the whole entire plan all along was to kill Chad and burn the house down. Prosecutors said there was no possible reparation that would bring Chad back and his family would never be the same again. Nikki's defense asked for the same sentence as Earl, which was 25 years. Her lawyer said that she had been easily seduced by Earl and that they plotted their scheme, carried it out, and then Earl fled off to Canada while Nikki was left behind. The judge pointed out the lack of facts to support that Earl was some master manipulator and said the defense was just making things up at this point in hopes that the judge would accept them as the truth. He said that Nikki had lied all the time and her story was constantly changing based on whatever she felt would help her the most. Nikki did give a statement in which she continued to maintain her innocence and she claimed that Chad abused her and her sons, which is the first time she's mentioned this as well. She ended up being sentenced to life in prison with a chance of parole after 36 years. Nikki appealed her convictions, but the North Dakota Supreme Court ended up affirming them. After her conviction, Nikki sat down for an interview with 2020. We'll have this linked in the show notes. Definitely check it out because it was wild. Um, She said that she was innocent throughout the whole thing and even denied ever having an affair with Earl at all. She said he wasn't her type. Even when she's shown a photo of the two of them kissing inside the Walmart, she said, quote, 
I didn't see no kiss given at all, end quote. But then she says, quote, I don't know. He leaned down. I leaned up. Have I kissed many friends on the cheeks? Have I kissed my kids on the cheeks? Have I kissed my ex on the cheeks? <laughs> yeah, end quote. I'm like, yeah, duh. Yeah, of course. Who hasn't? She also told 2020 she wasn't sure if Earl pulled the trigger or not because she wasn't there at all. She said she was out taking a walk near the hotel she was staying at that night from around 1 a.m. to 2.42 a.m. What? She said she didn't stop continuously stepping that whole time. Keep in mind, <laughs> it's winter, middle of – I wouldn't I wouldn't walk around – just say safety aside. It's cold in the middle of the night, even in Florida in January. Right. Like, it's still cold. And we're saying this woman walked an hour and 45 minutes in the middle of the winter in North Dakota. No, you didn't, girl. I, no, you didn't. Listen, and I love taking walks. Melissa, you know I love taking a walk. But I would not even be out walking for an hour and 45 minutes. Even the amount of time seems absurd. I'm like, no one takes an hour and 45 minute walk. And like, no, no. I walked the other day for an hour and I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to do that again. It was pretty brutal right. by the end. Yeah. Not an hour and 45. That's insane. No, I only do that if I'm like legitimately on like a, a day of hiking, you know, and you're sure. walking and taking breaks and everything. But just to say, I'm going to go out for a walk and I'm going to take an hour and 45 minute walk. Like that does not add up. Girl, no, no. So at one point in the interview, Nikki says she would love nothing more than to figure out what happened to Chad, but she said, you know, unfortunately, she doesn't have every resource in the world to make that happen. So I don't know what she's actually getting at there, but <laughs> feel bad for her, apparently. Um, there is a part on uh, in the 2020 where John Quinones, you know, says something to her. She's like, I changed my, you know, story from this to this to this to this. And like, she's like, I changed my story nine times. He goes, yeah, uh, that's why... They don't believe you. Right. Like she made it sound like it was a pro, and he was like, "No, lady, that's that's, that's the that's problem. Terrible, right? You don't want to have a yeah. different story every time you tell it." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, as far as where they are now, Earl is currently incarcerated in the James Rivers Correction Center in Jamestown, North Dakota, and his estimated release date is in October of 2040. Nikki is incarcerated in the Dakota Women's Correctional Rehabilitation Center in New England, North Dakota, and she is currently serving a life sentence. Wow, what a story. I It always amazes me what people think they are being smart with and that they're going to get away with. Okay, if you know, just let's take this for example, if you know that you need to turn off your cameras, you know, your security cameras, like you're smart enough to know that, right? But then you're not smart enough to realize they're going to know you turned off your security cameras. And why would you do that during the time your husband was killed? That's weird. In a hotel, how many security cameras of anywhere in the world? All the right. security cameras. Why right. would you? And oh. this is like recent. Airbnb exists. You could have done something I was different. thinking the same thing. <laughs> like none of that. Obviously, thank God that they got caught. Right. It's just so sad for Chad. None of this had to happen. She could have left. She could have just left him. But apparently there's greed there with this renter's insurance thing. Just all of it is just so, so terrible. And so many lives ruined for what? She even says, he's not my type by the end of it. Like, right. it gets petty. It's just it's, awful. Uh, it's awful. And for her kids, like, for what reason? I know. Yeah. It's terrible. I just, I will never understand people who think that killing somebody is their way out of a situation they don't want to be in. Like, how? That, There's be, so many other logical. options. Like, exactly. There's so many other options and other choices that you could make. And not to mention that, like, taking that road is so high risk because then if you end up in prison for life, like, well, great. Like, I'm sure that's 
how is that better than just yeah. getting a divorce or you know what I'm saying? Like that's it best just case scenario, sense. you still have it on your conscience forever. This person's been taken away from their family. You don't get caught, but you got to be worried you're going to be caught all the time. I just don't understand. Like somebody, use your brains. Think this all the way through. Be a worrier like me. You'll. I would yes. never do something like this because I could see the end and I don't like I'm, it. Yes. And other reasons. I'm very, I was going to say, I'm very thankful that you would never do something yeah. like this. <laughs> no, you don't have to worry about me on that. Um, okay, Mandy. Okay. Let's do. Are we thing? ready to? Yes. Yeah. Are we ready to move on to last thing before we go? Yes. Almost an hour and a half in. Let's do it. I'm ready. So, okay, Melissa, I told you this crazy story. So for this week, last thing before we go, you guys know I love a good conspiracy theory. And it's been a little while since I feel like we've really discussed a theory. Yeah. So something crazy, it's honestly not that crazy. You're going to hear the story and you're going to be like, you're just an idiot. That's not crazy. We all already knew that. Um, but anyway, l- l- hear me out on this story. And Melissa, there's an update that you haven't heard that you're going to hear for the first I'm time. I'm excited. Okay. So I promise the story leads into this conspiracy theory I'm going to talk about. So on Friday, okay, let me back it up. Ooh. Let me set the stage for a little context. My kids go to a school where they get out early on Fridays. They go from whatever time, they get off at three o'clock Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays, they get off, they have early release. Last year, they got off at 1.30 from school. This year, they took an hour off of it. So now they get off school at 12.30 on Fridays. And that's just whatever. That was like a new thing. I've always been irritated. Not irritated. But, you know, it's just kind of a bummer because they get dropped off at 9. I feel like I just turn around and drive back and forth on Fridays all day. So, um, but that's just the way it is. So on this past Friday, I... uh, did my normal routine. I dropped the kids off at school. I went to the gym. I came home and had my lunch. Everything's going great. I was chatting with my husband and I head out of my house at 12 o'clock on the dot like I always do to go drive to this kid's school, which that should put me there about 10 minutes early and I can just go park it in the car line and wait like I always do when I pick my kids up from school. Nothing new here. So I'm driving to school and listening to my music, minding my own business. And all of a sudden I see on my phone screen, it's connected to the car that I'm getting a phone call coming in from I can see that it says it's from the school campus supervisor. And so of course, immediately, I'm like freaked out because I'm like, why is the school campus supervisor calling? I look at you know, right. I, then I looked at the time. I was like, what time is it? It was 1222. And so I was like, it's weird that the school campus supervisor is calling me like eight minutes before school gets out. So I answered the call. And Immediately, she was like, hi, I just wanted to make sure you were okay and um, that you're on your way. And so I'm like really confused at yeah. this point. Um, and I'm also trying to drive and pay attention to the road while talking to her. So I'm like, yes, I'm fine. I'm on my way. Uh, and she said, okay, great. I, you know, I just was really want, you know, we were a little worried about you, wanted to make sure everything was fine. Uh, the boys were supposed to be picked up by 12.15. 12.15? That's not even... Okay. Okay. This is even weird. Okay. So, okay. Right. So I'm like twelve fifteen. First of all, that's seven minutes. Let's be honest here. It was okay. So uh, whole time I'm seriously so confused. I can't figure out what's going on because I'm like school gets off at twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. Why are you calling me and telling me that I was supposed to? That I'm. I don't know. Keep in mind, never, ever, ever in the history of being a mom have I ever been late to pick my kids up from school. Not even one time. Like literally, not even once. I'm always there to pick my kids up. I know what time my kids get off from school, okay? Like, it's absolutely absurd to think that I wouldn't know what time they get off. So I'm like, what is going on? So I pull up to the school, literally still before 1230, when I'm, they're supposed to be getting off school, I pull up to the school. And 
Melissa, the whole parking lot was like basically empty. It was like a ghost town. The whole school has like cleared out. Like I'm not even kidding. I'm like, I'm freaking out. Okay. And so like, it's kind of one of those things where you know, there has to be some rational explanation for what's going on, but like you can't figure it out. And like, it is starting to get irritating to me at this point. Like, I'm like, where is everyone? What is going on? Like, so I pull up, I pick up the boys and get them in the car. And immediately I'm like, guys, what happened? And they're like, yeah, what happened? What happened? Like, where were you? <laughs> and so I'm like, what is? What are you talking about? I was like, school gets off at 1230. Are you gaslighting your kids in the middle of all this? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? So then they say no. They inform me. They've always gotten off school at 12 o'clock. And Wait, 12? Yes. This makes no sense, right? Okay. So I'm... So I'm losing it at this point. The kids are in the car. They're like all upset because they were worried about me because now now that I think – now that I'm realizing, they think I'm like 25 minutes late yeah. to pick them up. So they're like – they're upset. I'm upset because I literally don't know what's going on. Like I seriously have no clue what's going on. I still have not fully accepted any of this, by the way. Like, I mean, I'm it still sounds kind like, of it. like It sounds I'm like I'm still it. on mm-hmm. edge about it. So um, we drive home. Like I call my husband up to ask him like what – time to the boys get off school on Fridays. He also says 1230. And so and then he said the same thing that I said. He said, Oh, last year it was 130. This year it's 1230. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, that's what I thought. So then Melissa, I text you yeah. even because I'm like, I'm desperate at this point. Like I'm like, I need somebody to tell me 12 o'clock. Like somebody else has to like, there's no way. And so you didn't know, you know, what it was. Um, I but did then you search said all my messages. I looked to be like, look at different times and stuff to be because it'll be like, hey, I'm going to pick up the kids from school. And I was like looking for a Friday to try and help confirm this for you. And I couldn't find one. Yeah. So anyway, all the way home, like I wouldn't, I didn't want to talk. The kids were like, why are you so mad? And I'm like, because I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I was late to pick you up from school. Like, this has never happened before. And like, my, I cannot figure out what happened. Like, I'm convinced that you get off school at 1230 and always have. And they're sitting there telling me we've always got off school at 12. So I'm like driving it the whole time. And I'm like, well, how is that possible? Like, if I'm so convinced that it's 1230 and my husband is so convinced that it's 1230, why have I never been late before then? Right. You know, how come every other time I've ever picked them up, like, there's been a car line that I've waited in and, and like, I've never pulled up to, like, an empty parking lot. I'm like – that makes no sense. Like, how have I not ever been late before? So um, I get home immediately and I'm like, I have to figure this out. Like, I have to get to the bottom of it. This is going to bother me for a long time if I don't figure this out. So I go on the school's website and I'm trying to find anything that has like the in-session right. hours listed um, anywhere. Can't find anything. I've dug through like all these archives, all the newsletters from this year, like all of them to try and find like anything that says school operating hours. Can't find anything. Eventually, I finally find an email from the school that they sent last February and it was discussing all the like changes for the upcoming year and of course discussing the new times and everything and sure enough on the email it says Friday is going to be 9 to 12. So at this point Melissa I am literally freaking out I'm like there's no way. I just absolutely refuse to accept that my kids have always gotten off school at 12 o'clock on Friday and that I like didn't know it. So you know me, I'm like a big conspiracy. I like how you might have forgotten something and you've now created a conspiracy theory to justify what happened. Go ahead. Keep going. 
Yeah. So I apologize if you're listening to this and you're like, get to the point. But you know what? You don't have to listen to last thing before we go. So I you prefer are free you do, but you can skip this one. <laughs> right. So this one is a little bit longer. But anyway, I promise we're good. We're going somewhere with this. So the only reason I probably even like thought of this is because I recently watched a documentary on Netflix called A Trip to Infinity. Have you seen it on there? I've seen it on there, but I haven't watched it. Okay. So this documentary profiles like these famous scientists and mathematicians, super duper smart people, way smarter than me, right? Who are trying to explain the mystery around infinity and like what it truly means. So it covers basic infinity concepts, which by the way, my father-in-law talks about time all the time. And I just, I'm like, please don't, let's not do this. Yeah. So it talks about these like basic concepts of infinity. It dives deeper into some complex, like more complex ideas like black holes and like the vastness of the entire universe. And even though like this documentary actually starts off rather boring, like I said, I'm just not a math brain, um, it actually becomes pretty captivating. And it really did have me kind of like deeply contemplating my own existence and everything that I know. So one of the things they eventually get to in this documentary is the multiverse theory, which is one of my new favorite rabbit holes. And um, I had actually heard about this idea of like alternate timelines before. But honestly, I just feel like I've never been able to fully get my brain to like understand something so deep. And so I I never fully dove into it. I thought it started with like Marvel. I thought they created the multiverse. I didn't know there was like a science-based no. okay oh well, let me tell you melissa Ugh. i've <laughs> i never fully dove into it before i'm just starting to learn more which just means that's a fancy way of saying that i'm wasting all my free time in subreddits dedicated to this topic and by no means an expert on anything um, but the theory suggests that there are multiple parallel universes coexisting alongside our own so each timeline represents a different set of events possibilities these are all like diverging from different points in reality right like certain times so the alternate timelines can be like created by like different actions or decisions or random events that could lead to different outcomes so like any time in your life you've made a major decision that could have changed the course of your life This theory is that in another timeline, you actually chose the other option and the you in that timeline is living a slightly different life because of it. So it could be vastly different or it could just be like slightly different. But this alternate timeline is playing out like simultaneously at the same time as ours, but in a different way. I'm sorry. So Ashton Kutcher already (laughs) did this. This is called the butterfly effect. And I've already lived with this. It is. Yes, it is. So in this like theory, then every possible outcome of any given situation may exist in a separate timeline, right? Which is what creates like this multiverse theory. So definitely not a new concept. Like you said, it's been really popular in sci-fi forever. I'm sure everyone listening has seen at least one movie that has like alternate timelines or some quantum jumping like thing as the central premise of the movie. Yeah. Um, Some popular ones, like you said, are the butterfly effect. Of course, that's like the most popular one that you can think I feel like comes to mind, but also like Back to the Future trilogy, Looper, which is one of my very favorite movies. It's really deep. You got to pay attention, but it's really, really good. Um, And even Avengers Endgame, like you said. The theory of alternate timelines, though, not the same as the concept of time travel, but they are kind of intertwined, which makes sense if you think about it. So time travel is referring to like an individual moving between two points in time. And the multiverse theory suggests that there are multiple (sighs) coexisting realities happening simultaneously, right? With each timeline representing a different set of events, decisions, outcomes, blah, blah, blah. When I agreed to this as being lasting before (laughs) we go... I did not know. I thought it was just, let me tell the story about me picking up my kids late. Mm -hmm. Not the multiverse was going to (laughs) be. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the real conspiracy part of this whole multiverse (laughs) theory is that your consciousness can actually jump timelines. 
And you wouldn't necessarily know. So Reddit, of course, is one of the most interesting places on the whole internet. Um, I love going on there and just reading stories that people post about weird things that have happened to them. Basically, like my story of like, apparently forgetting what time I'm supposed to pick my kids up from school and being convinced that like, I'm right. And like, what just happened is not right. So like, there's tons of like people that tell very similar stories to this. And they're convinced that they have jumped timelines. And they're in a different timeline that they are in than they what they were in before. So most people will say that they just things are just like slightly different. They feel somehow like some things are just off. Like they'll go to look up a website that they visited before and find out that like the website like they can't find it like it doesn't exist or just things like that. Things like things that are supposed to happen at a certain time still happen but like something is slightly off and they just feel weird, right? So I don't know. These stories are fun to read at bedtime. And a little freaky and convincing. Is this Can't the thing with I the get lamp into this stuff? thing? Like somebody who... Lamp. Okay. There's like something on Reddit that I heard about. And it's like a guy who like ended up dreaming up this whole reality. And then there was like a lamp. And the reason he figured out that it, it wasn't real or something is this lamp on the side looked weird. But he had like a whole family, wife, kids, like lived this whole life. But then in the... It, it has nothing to do with this, but I know that's been recent, like that I've seen people like on TikTok mentioning this lamp thing. And I'm like, I can't read that. I'll get too scared. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's not scary so much as it is just like, it's just like interesting. And like, it's an interesting theory and fascinating. And of course, in this documentary, the Infinity documentary, they explain how like this actually would be possible based on the theory of infinity and about how things in general, like anything that exists in infinity, like it has like all these possibilities. And that includes like your consciousness at the ba- like base level. And so I'm like, okay, this is like really deep and like freaky. So anyway, usually people who think they've jumped timelines had some traumatic thing happen like immediately before they started feeling like they were in a different universe, like an accident, like a serious accident or some kind of near death experience or something. Some people though, they just like say they woke up one day and they could tell something was just off. I don't know. It's very weird. It's very complex. It's kind of uncomfortable to unpack this whole idea. I admit that it does sound totally sci-fi and not even remotely possible, but it starts making more and more sense when you look into it. Or maybe I'm just living in a different timeline now because you're not going to convince me that I don't know what time to pick my kids up from school. Okay, here's the thing. So I think I'm in another timeline where my kids get off school at 12. Well, first of all, it was Christmas break, right? That throws everything off, like times and everything. So there was it wasn't like one week to the next. It was like a three-week jump that things changed. Accept that. You need to accept that. Here is the thing. In Florida, and I think – well, in Florida, a lot of schools have like a half day. Sometimes it's on Wednesdays. Sometimes it's on Friday. So my daughter gets out an hour early on Fridays. Her time is like 325, but she actually gets off at 215 on Fridays. And do you know what I had to do, Mandy? I put it in my calendar because I knew I wouldn't remember it. So what I need you to do is put it in your calendar <laughs> because there's just no way. I know and all the other days. Again. Yes, because every time I was like the first few weeks, I was like, wait, 325. So that means 225 because that makes more sense than 325 to 215. So I finally had to put it in my calendar because I can't be trusted. Didn't think I was in an alternate universe. Just thought maybe I can't remember things. I think you need to accept that you're getting older and you just don't remember things as well. I think you're probably right. How did Obviously, you and your husband skip That's the timelines? question, though. That's the question, though. I don't know. But then why do both of us think it was 1230? I think he was trying to be nice to you, to be quite honest. No, he wasn't. He was oh, my gosh. Nice. <laughs> Stop it right now. Anyway, um, from the next universe, Melissa, that is no. all we have for this week. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am going to have such a hard time editing the end of this because I'm not going to want to listen to it again because like my brain is just it feels like it's shaking in my head. But I want to watch that documentary. But I don't want to it, think it's that fascinating. I'm in, I don't want to think I'm moving in different. You know, I don't need to think that. And if I am, why do I keep choosing this one? Because it's not going that great. Yeah, no, you should watch it. It's actually super fascinating. It's definitely weird. I, I, honestly, it was like the way they did it was well done. It was it wasn't made like scary. It was almost could be like comforting in some ways because it okay. was almost like how since any possibilities could be playing out in another timeline, like basically they're saying that like anything, I, I don't know. It's, you'll have to just watch it. Okay. You'll have to just watch it. I have one like, final question for you though. Mm-hmm. Percentage mm-hmm. wise, how much percentage of you now thinks that it was this timeline versus simply forgetting? <laughs> oh, I definitely just forgot. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you because this was like getting to really – I, I've done something like that. I mean, before I like went to the doctor's office or the dentist's office, they called me and they were like, you're not here. And I was like, what are you talking about? My appointment's at 940. And I put it in my phone at 940. They're like, no, it's 920. And I'm like, well, then I'm an idiot. And I forgot. I didn't think there was another timeline. But now I'm going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to say, sorry. I jumped. I'm in the multiverse. And I jumped timelines. <gasps> and I'm sorry you yeah. didn't join me. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm going to do. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Well, I hope you enjoyed my story. I hope Loved you it. learned a little bit about alternate universes. I learned and- a lot about your mind. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know a lot about how I spend my free time. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, guys, that was it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.